based and try and get as much involvement and interest from the community as possible. Um, so we've got a range of speakers here tonight. Um, so I'll start from left to right. So, all right. <laughs> um, I'll start with, so this is Debbie Kilroy. Um, she's speaking on behalf of Sisters Inside. Um, we also have Jackie Trad, Labor member for South Brisbane. Um, we have Kate Flanders of Together, um, which is basically one of the unions that covers public sector workers. Um, we've got Marg, who is speaking. Yeah? Okay, so we were going to have Jennifer Thomas, um, Assistant Secretary of the Australian Services Union, um, but Marg's... Yeah, cool. So Marg's going to take up her mantle. Um, we've got Jess Payne from Equal Love, and we've got Rachel Jacobs, who is uh, an environmental activist and a prison worker. Um, and we also have Paul Martin from the Queensland Association for Healthy Communities. Um, and then we have Father Terry from uh, St Mary's in Exile. So basically how this is going to work is everyone will just um, speak five to ten minutes on how these cuts have affected their, each person's communities um, and basically give a bit more detail on the extent of the cuts um, just because a lot of people haven't really had, had the chance to get the details of exactly how, how much impact these cuts have had on certain communities, etc. Um, and then what we'll do at the very end, when everyone's kind of given a bit of a spiel, is um, open it to the floor. So the idea is that out of this, we want to get some sort of movement or it's basically up to you guys entirely what comes out of this evening. Um, we would love to have an ongoing thing and really have some sort of awesome action come out of it. Um, but yeah, so that's what the discussion's all about. And it's a chance to ask our speakers questions um, give contributions, anything that you would like to see happen under the Queensland Uncut banner, which can pretty much be anything, I guess. Um, so yeah, so what I might do is just hand over to Father Terry now. Um, yeah. Unless Daddy would like to. Terry, oh, Terry, Terry. I just need to do some adjustment to the mic. Hi, my name's um, Terry, Terry Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm um, one of the priests here at St Mary's in Exile. We meet here every weekend in, in this venue, the TLC venue, and we normally meet more of them in the round. So it's a little bit weird seeing everyone face one way. So, But it's uh, nice to be here. Where to start? Um, recently I was um, on a bus and I was speaking to somebody and and I was talking about the um, the job cuts, the um, the, the three thousand people that were losing their work, um, their jobs on Black Friday, and the person basically said to me, "Well, I don't listen to the news anymore. Um, it's um, not something that I'm aware of, and almost um, seemingly um, uninterested in the, in what was happening um, to Queensland under this new LLP government." and um, unaware of um, uh, the literary cuts, the cuts to healthy communities, the cuts to so many um, valuable parts of our, our, our state. And, and there's a sense of sort of um, 
this apathy that's happening out there that, that people uh, sort of um, have been turned off listening to um, political um, news, basically because they're um, cheesed off with the political process and um, politicians generally. And um, it reminds me of that saying that uh, for evil to thrive, it only takes good people to sit back and do nothing. Uh, recently I was um, watching and um, reconnecting with uh, Naomi Klein's, Klein's uh, Shock Doctrine, if you're familiar with that um, uh, DVD or her book. Um, she talks about what's happened in our societies, uh, Western societies, over the last 50 years and the move to um, radical um, capitalism and the whole thinkings of peoples like um, Milton Friedman and the Chicago Boys and the effects that they had on the economies of South America and the economies of um, uh, um, the UK under Thatcher and um, the United States under Ronald Reagan. Um, if you haven't um, seen that particular production or read her book, I really encourage you to do that because what we're seeing here is the, the propagation of that in our state. Um, some of the things that she talks about is that um, in order for radical capitalism to take, take root within a country, um, the whole process of creating a crisis, and um, you create a crisis like in South America, the, the overthrow of the Allende government, um, and then the, the bringing in of Pinochet and that whole um, crisis that was created there. And then um, Milton Friedman came down and talked about what, what needs to take place here in this country and that was basically the, the, the de-escalation in terms of governments, of what governments owned um, sort of, and the whole um, cutbacks, the deregulation of, indust of, um, of industry by governments and then the decreasing of taxes and the whole um, non-regulatory of, of markets and and then that whole um, process of of um, you know the big businesses thrive in these in these 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 these, these environments and I just kept, kept when I found out that um, Peter um, Costello was going to come up here and do an audit into what happened under the Labor government um, in terms of finances and then discovering you know that, that it was no that what his discoveries were, were exactly what we expected him to find that there was going to be a huge hole and there was going to be lots of problems um, you know surprise surprise that that he, he, he that he would come up with that and then creating this 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 crisis this almost sort of manufactured crisis and um, um, so what we what we're we're going to see, and what we're going to continue to see under this government is a decrease in um, government spending, a decrease in government services, um, and this whole um, allowing of unemployment to, to escalate so that um, that uh, wages can be controlled and the conditions can be controlled by by the employers. And you know, big business thrives in these sort of environments, and we see the you know the rise of the Clyde Palmers and the Gina Reinharts, and we're going to see more of that as if, if our country goes more and more to the right. So, um, 
we know in um, this state already that um, there are many, many people hurting, many, many, many people feeling um, uh, that with the 3,000 um, people that were lost their jobs already and the fear that in many departments in the public sector already feeling that um, is my job now under threat? Um, what's that going to mean for my family? What's going to mean for me in paying back mortgages? And if you think about the numbers, that they're looking at 20,000, maybe 30,000 jobs could be lost in this state. And like I'm thinking of t towns that I've worked in, um, like Warwick and Dolby, and the population of um, Warwick is 10,000, the population of Dolby is 20,000, the population of Gundawind is 4,000. So I'm thinking in terms of whole like decimations of maybe their population just gone in terms of jobs. And that's a like sort of like crisis. It's like, like if you had a sort of, um, wow, if you had a tsunami or um, um, a cyclone that where 20, 30,000 people were, were sort of um, displaced, um, then it's the effect of that. And I think this government's not aware of what's going to happen to many people who are struggling to put food on the table, struggling to get kids to school and um, just pay their, their mortgages. And um, and there's little or no effort so far with those people who've lost their jobs already for them to be, to help them find employment, to, to find um, ways that they can find, be redirected in other employments. So, um, what needs to take place that we need we need to mobilize we you know good people to sit back and do nothing i'm reminded of a famous saying you're probably aware of it from after the second world war during the second world war a famous pastor by the name of martin niemola he was talking about the inactivity of german intellectuals following the nazi rise to power and the purging of um, their chosen groups by the Nazis. And he came up with this particular thing, but I'm going to adapt it to, to, to the state of Queensland and finish there for myself at the moment. And he said that they came for the gay and lesbian campaigners. And I didn't speak out because I was not a gay and lesbian campaigner. They came for the environmentalist and I didn't speak out because I was not an environmentalist. And they came for the public sector workers, but I didn't speak out because I was not a public sector worker. And then, and then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. May there be people who will be speaking out over these next couple of months and years. Um, hi everyone, thanks for, um, I think I was a bit of ringing. Um, to come in the last minute and speak about the funding cuts of Sisters of the Side. But before I do so, I do want to acknowledge that we're on Aboriginal land, always have been, always will be. Yagara people to the south of the river, Turrbal people to the north of the river. My, myself, I reside on Nullumpool stolen land, which is the south of Brisbane, down Winnaway. Um, I'd also acknowledge the impact that 
the LNP government cuts are having on Aboriginal people in our community across this state. Um, Sisters Inside is an independent NGO that um, advocates, we exist to advocate for the rights, human rights of women in the criminal justice system. Basically when you put legs on that action is we work with and for criminalised women in this state and um, do a lot of law reform, provide services and counselling and also run training and around frameworks that we've developed as an organisation that we believe um, are the way to uh, work with and for criminalised, marginalised, victimised, racialised women. And we were one of the first organisations that got smashed by the LNP um, and that was our North Queensland program. And like it was only $120,000 but what it did provide was ongoing fortnightly services for women in towns or women's prison and their children in the community. Um, I don't know if people are aware there's six women's prisons in the state two maximum security, one in towns or one here out at Wacol, the other are either prison farms or halfway houses and low security um, prison out at Numbar. When you walk into towns or women's prison, it's quite overwhelming because you see the, the stark reality of the consequences of colonisation. Over 80% of women in that prison are Aboriginal women and women who've been severely affected by domestic and family violence physically Emotionally, a lot have um, acquired brain injuries, mental health issues, a lot of their children have been removed. They're there from usually Mackay area up, they get moved um, into the towns or prison. If you live under Mackay, you're brought down here to the Brisbane prison. These women now have been left with nothing. No services, even though the government's happy to say, well, there are services, but what they're talking about is corrective services services. And women don't want to engage with that. They want to engage with us because we do have the credibility and they do trust us. Um, so that's one service that's gone. And I'm very concerned about the women and they are very distressed as well. And um, I don't know if there's any Aboriginal people here because they're a sector that has been hit very hard by these cuts as well. The last uh, 67 services programs that were smashed by Queensland Health Springboard, um, about 70% were their Aboriginal programs. Um, and I think we need to um, engage with the Aboriginal community as well around this issue and um, because that's really important because what who is getting attacked under this government are the most marginalised people in our community. Aboriginal people, women, marginalised, criminalised women, victimised women, gay and lesbian people, Aboriginal people, you know we know the list of marginalised people and that's because they don't have a voice and they rely sometimes on us to have the voice but we need to engage those communities in the voice. It's not for us to come from a power over position to have that voice and remove it from them. Um, the second lot of funding that we lost was more recently. I received an email on the 4th of July um, to, to have a letter attached, nothing in the content of the email, uh, from the Chief of Staff of the Attorney General to say that our funding, uh, which provides support for women in the Special Circumstances Court, which is part of the Homeless Diversion Program, um, would cease on the 30th of June, four days earlier. Um, so there's one and a half staff employed in, the, in that um, funding program. So, um, and we just recently had that independently evaluated. So 240 women that we had supported through that court over a three year period, we had a 96% success rate of keeping them out of prison, which has cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of your money, my money, taxpayers' money, um, so that they're not in the prison system. So, you know, the, the economics don't fly with this government at all. It's not about saving money, it's about attacking the most marginalised and most disadvantaged and the ones that stick their heads up. 
and say something. So that's another lot of funding that's gone. And then on Monday, um, Laybrook announced that uh, they would uh, are cancelling the Skilling Queensland program where 145 public servants would lose their jobs. But what it also meant, which wasn't said, there's a number of NGOs, including ourselves, that get funded through that Skilling Queensland program to run training programs, in our case, for women who've just come out of prison or women in the low security prisons to give them uh, work entry skills. Um, to gain employment or you know engage in uh, further training and education. So that's the third lot of funding that's gone on now. So uh, we're up to about the half a million mark. Um, I think you know what we've done as a strategy is we've built our organisation over two decades waiting for this day to come. We knew the right wingers were going to get in. We knew that Queenslanders, at the end of the day, you know, it's typical custom and practice in the state, it seems. Oh, we're sick of that government now. Let's get another government. And then off we go again. And then we'll get sick of this government. And, you know, uh, instead of thinking about it, and I think that's what we need to do, is educate the general public about government and what it actually means. Because a lot of people don't understand. And I think that's one of the strategies that we'll be undertaking. Is because a lot of women that we work with and for actually don't vote. And they say they don't vote because they don't understand. Um, so we want to put some energy in getting them to understand what it means. And what I'd like to say, yes, it's awful what's happening in the public sector, and, and I think it's terrible. But I actually need public sector and the rest of the community to think about what's happening in the NGO sector. The NGO sector, we get paid a lot less than the public sector. And I know that some of my staff, when I do have to let them go and make them redundant, they are going to be homeless in two to four weeks because that's, they live paycheck by paycheck in the NGO sector because they don't get paid a lot of money. And that distresses me. And, you know, we talk about the staffing and then we talk about the women that are left behind. And we are going to see crime rates go up. We're going to see more women and men, for that matter, in prisons. So that's what our taxpayers' money is going to be spent on. Um, and, you know, and they'll tout it as they're being tough on criminals. Um, but sometimes, you know, that's a very simplistic view of the world, which we've seen more recently with the Minister of Communities, Tracy Davis, being arrested for um, drugs and, you know, nearly dying in the executive building, which is tragic. So we have a young woman with a serious drug addiction um, that's employed by the state and collapses and now criminalised. So are they going to be hard on that criminal? I don't think so, and she's not one that needs to be treated harshly. We actually need to walk with people because different people of walks of life are being criminalised. Mentally ill, homeless, black, impoverished. That's who's in our prison system. And they are the communities that we need to talk out for. Yes, we're all concerned about our jobs, but there's actually people in worse positions than, that, than us that are employed. And I think we have a fundamental responsibility to speak up and to inform the people in our case, the women, to speak up for themselves as well. And um, I'll just, on the words, see we're given words of people. <laughs> I actually wanted to bring the words of Lilla Watson, who's an Aboriginal woman who uh, lives just down the road, and what she said, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if your liberation is bound with me, with mine, let's work together. Thanks.
Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Jackie Trad. I'm the Labor member for South Brisbane. Uh, like Deb, can I also acknowledge that we gather here on uh, traditional land, uh, the Turrbal and the Yuggera people, and can I pay my respects to their elders past and present. Uh, I'm not here representing a community organisation, obviously, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and address you here tonight. Can I thank you all for turning out and thank the organisers particularly for pulling people together. I've been to uh, two demonstrations now where there have been thousands of Queenslanders who've come out and uh, tonight's uh, turnout is significant and it's really, really good to see you all here. Um, unlike Terry, I think that there is, uh, I don't think that there is a huge, uh, I know that there's apathy out there, but there's also a great level of disquiet about what's happening in Queensland today. And I think that's been demonstrated in the turnout at a, at a, range, of, uh, at a range of rallies and obviously here tonight. I think it's probably important to put some of some of this into the context of a bit of a narrative of Queensland over the past 20 years um, to really get an understanding of how much or how quickly we're going backwards under the LNP government. When Labor came into power in 1989, there were men still in prison for being gay, for being homosexuals. When Labor came into power in 1989, uh, we, uh, we had a government that had in the past said we don't want to sign up to a Commonwealth State Disability Agreement because we don't have people with a disability in Queensland. What Labor did over the past 20 years was transform and modernise Queensland and we did that in a way uh, that brought the community sector and, the public, and grew the public sector so that we could deliver services in Queensland. The disability services budget now in Queensland before the cuts come down by this government was over $1.4 billion. And that is about social reform being active and present in people's everyday lives. Now, the Commission of Audit, which came down a little while ago, uh, purports to put a whole range of myths out there, including that this state has $100 billion worth of debt. That is not true. The state's debt is $41 billion, and our net worth is over $171,000 billion. So that's just to put it in a little bit of context. How the Commission of Audit, led by Peter Costello, came to $100 billion worth of debt was that they changed the way the, the, um, the debt was measured. They took it from an operating debt to a fiscal debt. And now the states of WA, New South Wales and Victoria and Queensland all have operated on an operating deficit, um, not on a fiscal deficit. If the same measurements that Costello brought into Queensland were used in WA, Victoria and New South Wales, all of their budgets would be in deficit. Um, the uh, growth in the public service that they have not only exaggerated and underlined but also demonised, um, by their own admission, have been in frontline service delivery, particularly in health and education. Uh, now they're saying that that's a blowout, that's a bloated bureaucracy. These are frontline services that they're talking about. Also in terms of wage growth, Queensland in some instances, our public servants are still below the national average and we are playing a catch up game um, that we've been playing for the past 20 years in this state. Most of the growth in terms of our budget, in terms of the recurrent spend, has been in areas, crucial frontline service areas like child protection, in terms of delivering new hospital beds and more hospital beds, and in disability services, which, are, which is a significantly big, a growing area of demand in our community. 
The Commission of Audit doesn't have a plan to get Queensland back into budget any sooner. It doesn't have a plan to get us out of deficit any sooner. This is a political document with a political agenda, and that political agenda is to downsize government. It's to downsize government and downsize the community sector and downsize Queensland. Um, as has already been said, and there'll be others who actually talk about some of the community organisations that have been defunded, but if you look at um, particularly some of the early organisations that were summarily defunded, like Quack, um, by their own admission, uh, Springboard came out and said, you know, they shouldn't be uh, advocates as well as service providers. Now, one of the first things that Peter Costello did when he was a federal treasurer was introduce gag clauses in service agreements for community organisations to make sure that their funding was tied to their advocacy or whatever they said about this, the clients that they uh, looked after, that they advocated for, that they serviced. So it's to break the nexus between um, people who are providing services on the ground, as Deb has already said, and their ability to advocate on behalf of those clients. Organisations that are commonplace in our suburbs, like the PCYCs, have been uh, defunded up to $2 million. The Environmental Defenders Office, uh, that has been helping community communities organise against inappropriate development in their areas, they have been defunded. Um, cuts to groups like Diabetes Queensland, uh, Family Planning, and also the Working Women's Service, that really provide advocacy and support for some of the lowest paid women workers in our state. $800,000 pulled by this government with two days notice. The literary awards cut, you know, without any reference to, uh, to the arts community in Queensland. Uh, they've also come out and said that they will not back the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Uh, what we have seen is other conservative states already sign up and say that they are actually interested in trialling the National Disability Insurance Scheme in their state, in areas. They're signing up to the trial agreement. In this state, this government has refused to cough up, has refused to um, join the campaign or listen to Queenslanders who are desperately in need of some sort of scheme, a national insurance scheme, that will help them and help their children be cared for well into the future. Cuts to places like Boys Town, and these are non-offending organisations that have helped in the rehabilitation of uh, young offenders for generations. Um, breaking the uh, cycle, DV programs and, uh, and alcohol diversionary programs in Rockhampton. Um, the list goes on. Every day, you know, we're waking up to another cut. We had Jeff Seney on the, on the TV tonight basically saying there will be not one Queenslander who's not affected by this. And it's obvious that they are doing this and they are laying the blame on the previous Labor government. But uh, at the end of the day, no one is telling them to do this apart from their mate Peter Costello. Um, they are doing this of their own volition. They are doing this because they don't believe in a big government. They don't believe in government being there to provide services for Queenslanders and they certainly don't believe in the community sector. Um, in terms of, you know, where we go to in the future. I think there's been some ideas uh, floating around already. It is about standing up. It is about not only in forums, but in workplaces, uh, on campus, with family and friends. It's really important to, I think, address some of the myths that are out there. Um, the Korean Mail's certainly not gonna do it, I don't think. 
um, but there is some very good analysis out there, you know, whether it be on Crikey, uh, there's been some uh, other flyers that have been handed around, I've noticed at the rally the other night. There is growing concern about the level of misinformation that is out there currently and how this misinformation is being used to crush the community centre, to demonise public servants and to essentially take Queensland back. after a lot of the staff that in the media recently have been variously called non-core, uh, not frontline, back office bureaucrats, you know, and we get really slammed a lot of the time, um, these workers, um, about the, the fact that their jobs aren't important um, in the community, and that is just a lie. Um, and realistically, when we talk about these workers and we talk about um, the 3,000 people who lost their jobs in June, and some of them in May, that we're talking about people who supported NGO contracting um, in disability services. We're talking about um, people who worked in administrative roles in transport customer service centres, you know, and we're particularly talking about a lot of people who worked in programs like um, the program that was just cut yesterday um, that Debbie and Jackie have both mentioned, the um, Skilling Queenslanders for Work program that was particularly targeted at people who were disadvantaged and often Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander so there's a huge number of people who've been doing enormously good work in the community who have humbly been saying, yes, I'm a public servant um, and I'm proud of my job. Um, and you'll notice that some of us now have public servant and proud bumper stickers that will be floating around uh, <laughs> to talk about the fact that we should promote the work of these workers and it's really important. So who came to the rally on Monday? Excellent. Uh, it was so fabulous to see so many people there, so many workers, so many, um, the combined union movement turned out, you know, we were all there protesting and really proud to stand up and say, it is not good enough, it is not on, and this fight is on now. Um, and that is the most important message that we are trying to bring at the moment, and certainly um, on Tuesday our union delegates then voted to um, commence an industrial action campaign as well. So. Um, I hope that you will understand that, that these workers don't feel um, happy about doing that. They certainly don't want to deprive anybody of services in this environment, but they are left with no choice when they are boxed into a corner but to stand and fight. And that is what we will do, and we will not resolve from that. Um, and these workers are very brave, and they will be out there every day talking about why their jobs are important. Um, and certainly, you know, I acknowledge what Debbie was saying about some public sector workers having you know, better wages and conditions um, than those in the NGO sector sometimes. But I would also say um, that unfortunately, you know, that's not always not always the case. And I would also say there's, there's communities, and we've had to keep this count ourselves. I mean, Campbell Newman um, consistently is out there and Jeff Seney and others saying, oh, it's only non-core jobs, you know, and we don't really know how many staff we've lost. But um, we've been trying to keep a count um, one of my uh, Cairns officers recently told me they, their head count in Cairns was 206 people. And if you think about a community like Cairns, you think about the fact that youth unemployment in Cairns is very high. 
You know, and you think about how, if you're growing up as a young person in Cairns right now and you wanted to be a social worker and work in either the public sector or the non, in the non-government sector, what do you do now? You know, where do you go? And this is the real tragedy of this. And it is hitting home in regional communities. Cameron Newman just yesterday was out in Quilpie and Kanamala and saying, oh no, we're not going to affect regional jobs and we're not going to close down frontline services. The evening before, Jack Dempsey had announced that he was closing a prison. You know, he closed the Westbrook jail, 40 workers. Um, the workers, the prison workers there found out from um, those people who were in um, the prison farm. So, you know, this is, the, this, is the, this is how those workers found out that they were losing their jobs that day. Um, so it's just, you know, it's criminal the way that Campbell Newman's carrying on and it's complete, complete lie. So basically what I'm uh, here to talk to you about tonight, folks, is that I'm, um, I'm so pleased to see so much community support um, and it is just so fantastic to have all of you present at rallies and, and at these opportunities. As our union, some of the things we're undertaking, um, and we've got a flyer at the back, um, we've launched a campaign called Working for Queenslanders. We're profiling some of the work that our members do, because we know that sometimes public servant is a dirty word, and you have to explain that people are youth workers, that they're janitor groundsmen in schools, um, that they work in national parks and that they care about the environment, You know that this is what these people do. Um, and it's really important. So I encourage you all to join the campaign in Working for Queenslanders. It's one of the activities we're trying to do to reach out to the broader community beyond our membership group. I'd also encourage you to talk to your friends and family, those in your networks about why public sector jobs are important, um, and to think about the impact that it is gonna have down the line. There are already um, business owners in Cairns and Townsville who I've spoken with over the last few days um, when visiting those locations who've said, we're worried. You know, the, the flow-on effect um, to other people and the flow-on effect of if the janitor groundsman at your local school is no longer there, you know, and that person, and let's face it, they're mostly blokes, and he's not <laughs> there anymore, he's not helping the local PNC, you know, who is? These are the real issues that, that have a huge flow-on effect in our community because we've all pulled together um, as Queenslanders for a long time to make our state as great as we can. Um, but if we lose these jobs and they're gone forever, you know, and we know it's an ideological attack. Jackie's spot on. But the Audit Commission is completely bogus, and I would encourage everyone to have a look at Post and Politics on Crikey. Fabulous um, couple of union economists there who can give you some, some good counter-arguments. But this week was really proven that it was completely bogus because Tim Nichols, you know, Costello, we all despise as Victorian as well, but anyway, um, <laughs> has said that, you know, we need to find $3 billion. But just this week, just because he changed his mind, Tim Nichols has said, oh, no, we should make that $4 billion that we need to cut. And now we're getting department heads who are going, and there are some department heads, I think, who are fighting in Cabinet Budgetary Review Committee for the, the jobs in their departments, and they are trying to fight hard, um, and they're getting told. We had a, a dispute this week where we were told about TransLink, and TransLink have been told to find um, a certain budget figure, and so we said, all right, the disputes under our industrial provisions say, look, we'll find, we'll help you. Well, as the workers, as the union here, let's talk about how we can find some cuts that don't mean everybody here losing their jobs. And they said, no, no, sorry, it's not about just budget, it's about a headcount. That's what we need. So that is the truth of what's happening at the moment. It is about counting heads and getting rid of 20,000 people and we will not stand by and allow that to happen. And that is why you will see industrial action occurring. It's why you'll see more rallies like Monday night 
That's why I encourage all of you to sign up for Working for Queenslanders and follow us that way. So thank you. on behalf tonight of the ASU, our Assistant Secretary couldn't make it because of um, childcare issues. Um, at, and that's the, well, it's now called, sorry, the Services Union. Um, name change, at least it's got union in the name, unlike together. <laughs> 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 sorry sector, but also other industries which will also be affected by this. Uh, we cover local government, uh, we cover Brisbane City Council as well, um, and some of the, the admin white collar type jobs, <coughs> rail, energy, ports, and the, um, oh, the quangos, you know, the, the, the quasi corporate government corporate authorities or whatever they are. Um, so that even with the privatisation, we still cover some of those. And I, when I was listening to the cuts to um, Queensland Rail, uh, it occurred to me that's probably our members. Uh, but I'm actually a rank and file uh, delegate uh, on, on the industry committee and branch council, etc. But I work in the social and community sector. Um, we've just, um, as people probably know, had a three-plus-year campaign for pay equity based on uh, the inequities uh, attributed to gender. Um, at the beginning of that, in the Queensland Industrial Commission, we got pay rises between 18 and 40%, um, which brought us back up to the level of public servants. Um, at the time, it's interesting, uh, it's a very complicated sort of process because with all the changes with in, in the industrial relations system with work choices and then the change of government and then the transfer of powers from the state to the feds, etc. It's very uneven in our in, in our sector, who's covered and who's not and when. Um, in, ultimately, in, in six years' time, everyone will get that national wage pay equity thing. Some of us have been getting it for the last two or three years. Others, you know, have to wait a while. It depends on, you know, where you were and when, when the wind changed. Um, but what has always been said is, oh no, that it really won't matter because uh, once, you know, the, the, there, there is a legal instrument, um, everyone, all employees will have to pay it to maintain, uh, to, to, to attract the staff because in, in recent years, there's been a crisis in uh, the community sector in terms of staffing because it's not only is it an uh, overwhelmingly female workforce, it's also an overwhelmingly ageing workforce. Um, and we've been in competition with uh, the public sector in terms of uh, recruiting social work graduates, etc. Um, 
I'm actually uh, retiring in, in seven weeks um, and I'm fairly typical of the people that I've been working with in terms of age. There are now some young ones coming in or more that they, you know, they get attracted to higher paying jobs. When the, when we did notice when the pay, <coughs> when we got the pay equity through that we were starting to, I noticed I work in community housing, 12 months ago we had um, a number of vacancies where there'd been problems recruiting before, there were no problems because who were we getting? We were getting people from the Department of Housing applying for jobs with us who were on contracts and getting a bit windy but saw, and this coincides with um, the community sector being uh, the privatising arm of public services because I mean you know the, the community sector often does things a lot and traditionally has has arisen from demands at the grassroots levels for real services but what's happened with government funding and, and the changes to government funding and all the contract arrangements and the etc is that more and more the community sector <coughs> has just been doing what the public sector was doing but cheaper um, rather than doing what the community sector started off doing, which was innovative, responsive, locally controlled uh, community organisations actually being, being clever about responding much better to local need. So what's, so, so we've now got a lot of our staff, ex-departmental staff who couldn't get permanent jobs. And I think that's, I understand what Jackie was saying, but also that did happen under the Labor government is that there you know, were freezes, you know, jobs didn't get created, you know, this so-called growth. This growth in the public sector that may have occurred seems to me uh, was uh, contract staff who are now much easier. You know, those 3,000 were able to be stopped because they're on contracts which finished. Um, so where we're, in our union we were saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter really that there's this long uh, introduction to the pay because everyone will have to pay it to them remain competitive. They won't because what's, what's going to happen now is what has already started to happen is public servants losing their jobs will be looking to jobs in the community sector um, and you know we and, and, and that will be less of a there'll be less pressure on employers and the, 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 the ones that are fighting the pay rises like the, ma the major big charities, Mission Australia, Lifeline, etc. Um, so it will cut against you know, the, the gains that we made. Um, also, too, has been said, you know, with this whole attack is an attack on the most vulnerable. Um, you know, and that was very well put out, uh, reflected in, in Terry's sort of naming them all. Um, but the thing is, what's going to happen is if, the, if there's the... That, that's happening when, at a time when there is actually a need to grow the community sector to because there will be more demands for the sort of services we provide for um, women in situations of domestic violence, children at risk, youth, homeless, people who are homeless, people who have disabilities, mental health, etc. All, all of those most vulnerable people are going to be, there's going to be more of them. They're going to be more in need of services because there'll be the, the cuts to the public services. Um, and 
you know, we, uh, the community sector really, I don't think, well, they'll be, they're getting cut too, but those that aren't getting cut aren't going to be able to cope with the huge, massive demand. Um, and also we're going to be having probably uh, a de-skilling of, uh, of, of the staff in community services, uh, a, a drop in quality of services, um, and, you know, the, the, you know, the safety net that the community sector has been you know, the, the big holes will be growing in that safety net. Um, and, you know, I won't go on anymore about that. It's pretty obvious. Uh, the, we have had limited campaigns in terms of uh, defending the jobs of the workers in those um, agencies where they have been cut. Uh, I know that the last... Um, major industry committee meetings we had, there was a talk that we did need to, um, as well as having some sort of a campaign to defend those um, jobs, it was very hard. I mean, most, most people's contracts say it's all dependent on government funding and there's nothing much, you know, if the funding's not there, you can't really save the job. Um, but I think one of the things we did learn in the pay equity campaign was that we were very successful because we um, linked in with the the users of our services and the local communities. And it was not just seen as an industrial campaign, but a political and social campaign. And I think that's what is going to be needed to, to fight these cuts. Not only cross-union, um, at the rally on Monday night, they talked about, you know, uh, similar to the uh, fight against work choices in the Your Rights at Work campaign, but I think it's going to need to be something even more than that. Um, Going back to the, the I wasn't, but I'm not a Queenslander, but from afar, from being a Commonwealth public servant in Canberra, I did watch the, the big campaigns around the CQIP dispute and how that mobilised a range of, 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 you know, everyone saw that they had something in. I think it's really interesting that the uh, Deputy Premier or whatever you said that it's going to touch everyone in Queensland. Well, it will, but it's going to require the mobilisation of great numbers of people. Um, and, and linking up. Um, now, tonight we might want to look at a campaign that's, supposed, that's focusing just on you know, community support for the, uh, the, the attacks on the public and community sector, but there are going to be so many other areas as well. Um, and I think that that is what's going to, to win in the end. Um, Cross-union solidarity. Um, it was good to see other unions there on Monday night, but I think, I'm not speaking on behalf of the leadership of the ASU now, <laughs> but, or they, well, not, they wouldn't want to say it officially anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, all, you know, talking before about what was within, there are so many limits to so-called industrial action these days that, you know, we've got to forget about that. You know, and, and I mean, when when we did have the big rallies on the, I, I was in Sydney then. Um, we just went to them, and you know, it was a strike because we wanted work for you know four hours, <coughs> and no one. And we well, we actually still got paid because we just said we're going to the rally, mm -hmm. and that was it. They could have docked our pay, but they chose not to. That the council I worked for at the time, but. You know, I think sort of think, oh, yeah, okay, I'll wind up. It's just that forget about who's bargaining and who's not. The thing is, it's only going to we're only going to win if we're united.
also want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. Uh, never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Uh, my name is Jess, I'm from Equal Love. We're a community group that's been organising for a few years now around the question of um, uh, specifically marriage equality, but generally been uh, part of the campaign against homophobia wherever it does rear its ugly head. And I think, uh, you know, it's got a big fat head here in Queensland. And so um, <laughs> we've been uh, organising uh, against the Newman government, against the LNP's attack. And uh, tonight I just wanted to go through some of those attacks that have happened. For people who don't know, it's a pretty uh, bloody long list, um, unfortunately, both in terms of cutbacks and uh, ideological offensive waged against a lot of social gains and reforms that have been made over the past 30 years. A government whose uh, ideological commitment to homophobia is being uh, very much implemented. Um, which I'm not against being loud, especially when we're talking about the LNP. Um, but yeah, I was just going to go through some of the um, things that have come up pretty much uh, in the first, you know, 100 or so days of the LNP government, they have made it a uh, priority to attack the LGBTI community. That's the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex community. Um, and one of the um, very first things that they did was cut funding to healthy communities. And I'll let Paul Martin, who's uh, from Healthy Communities, talk um, a lot about that. But basically, it was a whole uh, bunch of... Oh, a whole bunch of bullshit um, that Lawrence Springboard used to justify um, taking funding away from the Queensland's only dedicated LGBTI health service. The facts that he used were bullshit. Uh, the reasoning that he used was bullshit. Basically, um, the only explanation for why Healthy Communities lost its funding is because they were doing something that the LNP didn't like. That was advocating on behalf of a uh, minority and marginalised community. One of the you know main things that I think about uh, dealing with issues of mental health and well-being um, of which we know the statistics amongst the, amongst the LGBTI community are much higher, you know, in areas of mental health, self-harm, suicide, drug and alcohol addiction, are much higher amongst the LGBTI community. And, um, you know, one of the uh, main things that they identify as, you know, factors contributing to this is uh, homophobia, discriminatory laws, the fact that um, LGBTI people are um, excluded uh, by both governments and, uh, you know, in their daily lives. So. Uh, it was obviously uh, an ideological offensive waged against this community and also kind of a testing ground as well. We've seen the community um, organisations, um, you know, of all stripes and colours dealing with a whole range of minority groups being um, basically uh, exterminated one after the other. Um, the other thing as well, one of the um, uh, other attacks of the LNP government was the civil unions legislation. Um, and uh, obviously people know about the civil unions issue that the government announced that they were going to take away ceremonies, basically saying that, you know, you have no right to be seen or heard um, when taking part in this, uh, you know, this uh, legal act. But then not only that, they uh, took away the civil unions aspect as well and turned it into a relationship register, uh, which is actually pretty much literally the same process that um, someone would go through to register their pet. Uh, you get a little form that says, uh, relationship registration, you fill it out and then you hand it in and that's basically all um, LGBTI people get here in Queensland. And people might have seen as well that there was a uh, protest in Parliament um, when the legislation was being debated, uh, you know, debated in Parliament. Uh, the LNP was going through all their dis disgusting rhetoric about people should be satisfied with this. They all developed imaginary gay best friends that said, you know, they don't care about people. <laughs> 
support equal rights. Um, and yeah, the people basically uh, from the gallery, um, you know, helped organise by equal love erupted in anger. And I think it was a kind of uh, good picture to paint about the sentiment that people have um, against the LNP government because. You know, the day after, it wasn't just reported that the LNP makes changes to, you know, civil union legislation. It was reported anger erupts in Parliament as the LNP pushes through, uh, you know, takes away these recently won uh, rights for LGBTI people. And so I think that's, you know, very positive that actually when the LNP does go on the offensive, people are there to meet them with a fight back. And that's kind of the, the thing that Equal Love um, has really been uh, pushing and emphasising in terms of how we relate to this LNP government. Um, of course, you know, again, the list still goes on in terms of the um, cuts uh, um, against uh, the LGBTI community, the getting rid of altruistic surrogacy for same-sex couples and uh, uh, single uh, parents as well. Um, actually, it's not just about getting rid of this law, but um, if people start uh, participating or look into actually going through this process of altruistic surrogacy, it's actually become, uh, will become a criminal act with people, um, you know, potentially facing up to three years prison. And um, along with that as well, it's not just the surrogacy in itself, but a whole series of things that relate to that, like they're um, getting rid of the right of uh, uh, same-sex lesbian couples to be co-mothers on birth certificates. Um, so again, just mean, you know, mean-spirited, homophobic, ideological offences against rights um, that people have won um, in the past. And as well, the most recent thing, um, and I say the most recent, because pretty much every week uh, since this government has been in, there's been a new attack announced, new cut being announced. And the latest thing is the, um, the government has decided to retain the gay panic defence. If people know what that is, it's basically, it's a lesser crime um, if you kill a gay person, uh, if you think they're coming onto you. So, you know, laws that give same-sex couples legal uh, recognition, uh, the same entitlements as right as heterosexual couples, you know, that's a priority to scrap. The laws that say it's okay to murder a gay person you know, that's something that has to stay on the books. Um, you know, I think that says, um, you know, screams a lot about what this, uh, what kind of government that we have uh, with the LNP, that they are an enemy of minority groups. They are enemy of all those who, uh, you know, want to see social progress and actually recognise that rights are something that are inalienable and not something that can just be taken away on a whim. Um, but that's kind of not the end of the story. We haven't just seen attacks, we also have seen a fight back. People have already mentioned some of the rallies that have happened. The first big demonstration, over 2,000 people came out um, on May the 30th, uh, a few weeks after the LNP government came in, against the announcement of defunding of healthy communities, against the kind of you know plans to repeal civil unions. And I think that's very significant. It was actually the largest uh, rally for LGBTI rights in Queensland's history. Um, and we have officially checked that with the Gay and Lesbian Archives. The largest demonstration for LGBTI rights history happened, you know, 2012 in this state against the Newman government. And I think we should take that to heart when we actually, um, you know, think about what's to come, you know, that this is only the beginning of the LGBTI attacks. Um, you know, people have mentioned feelings of apathy and disquiet. I also think there's feelings of anger and outrage and people actually wanting themselves to come out um, and be part of a, a fight back against this government. Um, you know, also very encouraging as well the demonstration of um, you know, up to five to 10,000, there's different figures of the union movement as well, which I think is very significant. All these things are, um, you know, positive developments in terms of what we have to do uh, with this government that we are now facing. And also as well, because the tax have come so, you know, hard and so fast, I think we are just seeing the beginning of what's to come, that, you know, the kind of fight that we need isn't just one that can, you know, depend on some three-year election cycle, but actually will require mobilizations, will require actual, uh, you know, solidarity the kind of mobilisations that do say that all 
this government is the enemy of all these groups, this government is the enemy of all these communities, and the thing that we need to do is organise uh, solidarity and fight back, draw the links that we can with these movements, and also convince others that if we are actually going to stop this government, uh, you know, we ourselves will have to, um, you know, take them on. And so, um, you know, just to finish, we have a right-wing government here in Queensland, obviously, but history, uh, Queensland is kind of well-known uh, for having right-wing governments that have gone on the offensive um, against uh, unions, against workers, against women, against LGBTI people, against Indigenous people. Uh, but Queensland also has a very um, well-known and proud history of fight back. Uh, you know, when the last Conservative government, Joe, I'm sure people are familiar with him, banned street marches, people marched. When they tried to crush the unions, they went on strike. When they attacked Indigenous people and uh, women's organisations uh, and LGBTI people, they protested. And I think, you know, we have to remember those things that happened, that, you know, right-wing governments can be beaten back when they are fought. And, you know, we're in a situation where we have to, you know, re-win um, a lot of those rights and reforms that we already had. And we can look to uh, some of those traditions that have happened right here in Queensland and also look at just what's happened here recently. We don't even have to look so far back, um, you know, as the 70s and 80s. We just have to look back as... Monday night or a few weeks ago to show that people are you know, willing to fight and want to fight and there's a sentiment out there um, that can be mobilised um, against this government and it is the only way that we are, able to, are going to be able um, to beat them back. my best. My name's Rachel Jacobs. Uh, thank you very much for um, having me and very, thank you very much to the organisers uh, for organising um, this event. It's a thankless task and, um, and I do thank them for going to, to the effort. Um, I also acknowledge the traditional owners um, and, <coughs> whose land we meet tonight. I'm speaking as an activist and I'm speaking about some of the programs that I run in prison which have been cut. Uh, but more about that later just um, made me think a little bit about uh, about the last four months and then I thought my god I can't believe it's only been four months I feel like I've been to enough protests for 40 <laughs> lifetimes but um, but it has actually been um, four months and I think back to that fateful night four months ago on election night and um, and how I was feeling on that night and I'm sure you're in the same position it didn't feel great if you're the same as me you remember certain election nights and that one felt to me the same as it it did in 1996, the night Howard was elected. And I'm not saying this because I'm not an LN, I'm not saying this because I'm not an LNP voter. Um, I am a Green, um, and so for us, our vote stagnated, so that was, you know, neither here nor there. But I was watching the TV, and what I was watching was what I saw as a bunch of older white men in suits, uh, taking power, and taking it with a degree of arrogance, and a degree of entitlement, and a ruler-like mentality. And I thought, wow, here we go. And then days later came the announcement about the smashing of the Premier's Literary Awards. And that was a very calculated um, the warning shot that was fired to all of us to let us know uh, just what was in store. And then the House of Cards came down and we've heard about, uh, from all these sectors here tonight, we've heard about a number of others. Let's add some more into the mix. Um, you know, amazing programs for youth like Portugal Z, family planning, um, programs for um, migrant community advocacy, uh, the Climate Smart program. You know, apparently 
water-saving shower heads and light bulbs are a threat to our way of life. So <laughs> it, it's, it's just been um, quite incredible uh, what, has been, what has been cut, and I'm quite overwhelmed by the speakers here tonight. And um, I'll add to that, today it was announced uh, that arts programs in schools are, are the next to um, be the big victim of the razor gang. Um, I am an arts lecturer and I could talk for hours about how damaging this is going to be. But I do want to say something. A program called Fanfare has been cut. Fanfare uh, is about bans in primary schools and high schools. Yes, he's another great threat to our democracy. Primary school flute players. Uh, so we can. That's one of those. That's one of those issues that's going to get pushed to the side. But what Fanfare was actually set up to do was make an attempt at creating a more equal playing field between state and private education. And it was uh, a program for excelling music students to keep them in state education, and it was working. And that's now something that has been lost. So the program that I run at Wakehall Women's Prison, um, and that was uh, Wakehall Women's is the maximum security that was um, previously mentioned by Debbie, is I run a dance program. I'm a community dance teacher and I'm engaged by Wakehall um, to run a dance program as part of their mental health strategy. Um, the aim of that is to reduce recidivism and it's to reduce um, violence inside the prison walls and it has been tremendously successful. Um, it has um, given the women confidence, it's given, um, it's given them hope for a different kind of life, um, it's been very, very helpful at reducing violence on the inside. It is now not possible for that program to continue. So what we're seeing is the programs that work, like mine and like um, like Sisters Inside, I've seen the work the Sisters Inside do, it's absolutely tremendous. Um, but those programs are not allowed to continue. Meanwhile, we have uh, programs that are not going to work, that are allowed to flourish. Um, and it's not just spending cuts. This government's not just about spending cuts. There is some vain attempt to dupe us all into thinking that what is happening is about balancing the budget. But there are some changes um, that have been mentioned already that give us clues as to the real agenda, which is a very, very conservative agenda. So we've heard about the repealing of civil unions and gay panic defence. Well, there's also the... Um, the complete indifference to the UNESCO report on the Barrier Reef um, and the federal government had to step in and express their disgust at how Queensland's going to deal with that. Um, today I heard there's plans for logging and grazing in protected national parks. So these are things that, um, that don't cost money but it's giving us clues as to what the agenda is. As somebody who works inside prisons, I'm very, very concerned that, uh, that this government is showing determination to plough on with mandatory sentencing. This is something that has been shown to be an absolute failure in other states. Um, it's been shown to increase the prison population. It actually increases the cost on the Justice Department and it does nothing to reduce the crime rate. So this is very, very dangerous legislation that we have in front of them, all under the front of getting tough on crime. So they can go to the next election and say, we got tough on crime. Meanwhile, programs like the ones that Sisters Inside run that do work are not allowed to continue. So this is the situation we have here. We've heard um, Terry talk about the degree of apathy and I do certainly think people are starting to switch off. 
uh, people are starting to get tired. I'm very, very concerned about the burnout rate in our own activist community as well. But I think we also have people who are walking around saying, I voted for a change of government, but I didn't vote for this. And I think that's where um, we need to we need to capture our attention. The agenda is clear, and again, I'm going to hark back to 1996. The agenda, as I can see it, is to slash the funding, do the dirty work in the first year, build up a bit of a budget so you can give out presents in the third year, and in the fourth year, hope that everybody's forgotten how angry they were. Well, we've got news for you, Campbell Newman. We are not going to forget the anger. We're not going to forget the jobs that were lost. We're not going to forget the programs that we lost. We're not going to forget the very, very vulnerable people who've been hurt by these cuts, many of which are not in this room tonight. So, what do we do? I believe uh, we need to fight this on two fronts. So the first thing, I think, is we need, let's fight this on Newman's terms. Campbell Newman says that he is bringing a budget to surplus. I say that his measures are resulting in mass losses of jobs, they are destroying industries, and he is taking a wrecking ball to Queensland's economy. I think we need to run the line that Newman is a bad economic manager, uh, that that's, that's the reason why you would vote and fight against him, is on economic grounds. Because once the mining boom ends, and it will, Queensland will fall into a heap, and there will be no safety net because the safety net was eroded in Newman's first term of government. And secondly, I think it's incumbent on all of us that we bring to light the human toll of these cuts, the human side of this. Now, yes, there is Newman up front saying, he's, he said, come to me. He said, come to me if you believe a frontline service is being cut. And we have plenty to go with him and, to him about. But there's also 77 other members of parliament who need to know what it's like when violence in prison is on the increase? Who needs to know what it's like to go and get your relationship registered rather than being able to have a ceremony? It's those 77 that might need to be our target. Jackie, I can't imagine what it's like for you inside that building at the moment where every second day there's, um, there's a protest walking up there. And, I, and all I can imagine is members of the LNP inside you know, it's almost like some, some vision of a, of a revolution saying the peasants are revolting. Of course they're revolting. <laughs> Something like that. I can't imagine what that's like, but, um, but it is those other 77 that we're going to have to go through to, to plead our case. I, as I said before, I'm very, very concerned about burnout in the activist community. I think we need to work out, to look out for each other and look after each other. What this government is trying to do is divide and conquer. The plan is to keep us divided, to keep us distracted, so we're fighting on a multitude of different fronts uh, and to exhaust us. And so we have to band together to make sure that that, um, and to, to make sure that that can't happen. I'm not gonna say work harder because we are working incredibly hard at the moment, but let's be smart. Let's fight on his terms. Make sure that we demonstrate to the Queenslanders who are not in this room that these actions, what he's doing, it's all interconnected and it's based on lies about saving, about bringing a budget back to surplus and these are lies. And let's tell everyone that we're not going to back down. <coughs> Thank you.
Hey, good evening, everyone. My name is Paul Martin. I'm the Executive Director of Health Communities. I add my acknowledgement to the traditional owners as well. Um, what I want to talk about is a bit about what our organisation is, in case you haven't heard of us or don't know much about us. Uh, what's happened to us, uh, what effect that will have on our direct service delivery, and what the future is for healthy communities as an organisation. Uh, so we were formed by the LGBT community in 1984 in response to the crisis uh, that was and is uh, HIV and AIDS. Um, where many of the traditional health and uh, community uh, sector didn't want anything to do um, with uh, people with HIV, gay men with HIV, when Joe wanted to round us all up and put us on an island or, or, or uh, said that there were no homosexuals uh, in Queensland. Um, not, there won't be soon. <laughs> They'll be running, running down to New South Wales and Victoria. Um, in 2006, we expanded our role to address a wider range of health issues affecting the LGBT community, so not just HIV, uh, but as we heard, increased uh, rates of mental illness and alcohol and tobacco and other drug use and uh, stigma and discrimination and violence and so on. And so we changed our name uh, at that time to Healthy Communities or CLAP. Uh, we're a statewide organisation. We've got offices in Brisbane and Maroochydore and Cairns. Uh, we get about, well, we, we currently uh, get about 85% of our funding from Queensland Health. Um, and that funds our um, HIV, <coughs> sexually transmitted infections and hepatitis C prevention programs with gay, bisexual and other men of of men. I'll just say gay men from now on, but I mean all that. Um, uh, and we've had that funding from Queensland Health since 1988. Uh, so 24 years we've been funded over various uh, grant processes and service agreement processes and tender processes and all through all those changes. Um, and just as a side note, um, Organisation formed in 1984, first funding in 1988. What happened in those four years? Uh, Joe Berger Peterson refused to meet with the organisation, refused to be in the room with homosexuals, or at least known ones, um, and the organisation wasn't funded. And for those of you who don't know the fantastic story, uh, the federal government gave money to the Sisters of Mercy at the Martyr, um, who literally put the money in a round paper bag and carried it across the road to give to us so that we could um, keep the organisation going. Uh, they uh, um, allowed us to use one of their premises to, to work out of as well. Um, and it really feels like we're going back to uh, those days um, in the government's response to uh, HIV, particularly as it affects gay men. Um, so we also get Queen's Health funding on a much smaller scale for LGBT awareness and for um, alcohol, tobacco and other drugs. Unfortunately, we get some recurrent funding from the federal government for our True Spirits program that works with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities around sexual health. Um, and we get some one-off funding from department communities and philanthropics and so on for various LGBT projects. We employ 36 staff across the state, a mixture of full and part-time. Um, we're the only gay men's HIV prevention service in Queensland. We're the only LGBT health organisation in Queensland. And we're the only LGBT uh, organisation that's funded by the Queensland government to work specifically on LGBT issues. Gay and Lesbian Welfare Association, the tel volunteer telephone help one, they get $5,000 to help train their volunteers. That's it. Um, now, that's more Labor's responsibility, I have to say, uh, that uh, we were in a situation where, in effect, only one organisation was funded to do work uh, for the LGBT community in Queensland, even though um, all those rates of health issues and violence and discrimination and so on are much higher. So we are in a very precarious position, and picking off one organisation is all they needed to do, because that was the only uh, service organisation that was funded, so it was easy to do that. So what happened? Uh, removal of all of our uh, Queensland Health funding was announced in the Sunday Mail. Um, there was no prior warning, there was no discussion, there was no negotiation. We found out about it when we woke up and read the paper that morning. Uh, the, term, the contract was terminated uh, mid-term, so there were still two more years to run. 
So some of these organisations that have been defunded because their contracts ended um, at 30th June, and that's bad, uh, um, our, it, our contracts still had two years to run, and so they were so um, concerned about us that they turned over the contract uh, mid-term without any warning. Uh, for, and fortunately, we got three months' notice uh, in the contract. Uh, the whole range of reasons that uh, Minister Springboard gave um, to, for why he's made the decision to uh, pull out funding. First, the HIV has uh, rates have doubled in the last decade. Untrue. Uh, uh, they have increased, but they've not doubled. Um, and the stats that they were using were actually picking numbers from two different columns in the same table. Uh, now, whether they did that as a mistake, um, because they're stupid and can't <laughs> read stats, or whether they did it on purpose so that they, were, they could get their sound by HIV rates are doubled, I don't know. Uh, the fact is, it's wrong. That rates have not doubled. Uh, secondly, he said that we've lost our way. Well, that's untrue as well. Um, he doesn't define what lost our way means, but we're clear on what our way is. We're an LGBT uh, health and wellbeing organisation. We uh, uh, consult extensively with the LGBT community. Uh, we produced um, a new strategic plan at the beginning of 2012, which set out a range of frontline services that we would deliver, a range of frontline services that we want to deliver, and an advocacy agenda to improve people's health and wellbeing. Uh, it also, he said that the HIV message was being lost or diluted. Well, um, wrong again or untrue. Uh, sexual health has to be dealt with in the broader context of health and wellbeing. Um, effective HIV prevention campaigns um, won't work unless you also deal with mental health and also deal with drugs and alcohol and also deal with relationships and also deal with stigma, discrimination and violence. And so just taking someone's sex life and educating them on how to use a condom, which actually isn't that difficult, um, and then <laughs> sending them off into the community to have safe sex doesn't work. People aren't getting HIV because they don't know how to use a condom. People are getting HIV because the difficulty in their relationships, drug and alcohol use, um, stigma and discrimination, and that's what we need to deal with if we're going to be effective on HIV. They also said that, shock horror, we have been overly political. Uh, well, that's wrong. Um, in our view, um, the vast majority at work is providing frontline services. It's really only myself as the executive director and the uh, board who are involved in those rights issues um, in, in any kind of paid capacity. So the organisation is very focused on a direct service delivery. Um, but, but quality uh, and rights are important issues for health. Um, and I could, I'll just list two, but there are many uh, frameworks, international frameworks and Australian frameworks that say the only way you're going to address health issues to is to address the underlying social causes. So we start with the Ottawa Charter for Health Promotion, 1986. We can go back to Alma Ada in 77 if you want. Um, and social determinants of health, both World Health Organization um, uh, frameworks for how you can be successful in improving the health and well-being of a community rather than just pumping money into hospitals to put band-aids on people and send them back out into the community and get sick again. Um, so yes, we do speak up about um, rights where they affect the health and well-being of the LGBT community. That's a proper part of doing health and doing health promotion. Minister said that uh, Queensland Health did not give healthy communities money to do advocacy. Okay, that's not true as well. Um, there's a specific section in all Queensland Health Service agreements. Guess what it's headed? Advocacy. <laughs> we would be in breach of our contract with Queensland Health if we were not delivering advocacy to the government and to mainstream health and community organisations. It's written into our contract. Queensland Health wrote it into the contract. We must do advocacy. So he was wrong on that as well. 
He also said that we've published an intention to move away from HIV to more general political issues. Well, that's untrue. Never published that intention. Never had that intention. Uh, he also said that the Queensland AIDS Council was wound up by the Labor government. Well, that's untrue as well. There were some changes to funding. Uh, client services went to uh, Spiritual Plots now Anglicare. Go through the name changes, almost as many as ours. Uh, but we kept going. But when we broadened our remit to wider LGBT health issues, we changed our name. There's also a bunch of inaccuracies, inconsistencies, discrepancies, and unanswered questions in the arguments that have been put forward by the Minister and his uh, office. Um, first one, uh, HIV is increased in Queensland, so therefore one single non-government organisation is to blame. Uh, well, that's wrong. Uh, Queensland government, led by Queensland Health, uh, developed a statewide cross-government HIV, SBI, hepatitis C strategy. Um, and then healthy communities are just one NGO that they purchase the services that they want from. That's practically correct. Um, so how can one NGO be responsible for all of HIV um, when it's the, uh, HIV, it's the state government that runs the HIV strategy? Um, second argument, HIV is increased, so we should defund an NGO. Um, well, what about increases in other health areas? Um, HIV is not the only health issue uh, that is of concern. Let's start with obesity and overweight. Um, probably the biggest health uh, challenge facing the country uh, and the state. Um, what are we going to do? Defund all organisations that have anything to do with trying to get people to help, uh, assist people to help uh, eat more healthily and take more exercise. Um, and we could go to skin cancer and we could go to diabetes and we could go on and on um, about the list of health issues that are increasing. Um, he's, uh, money's been removed from healthy communities to pay for HIV awareness. Um, so he set up this new ministerial advisory committee, taken the money that was given, that was provided to healthy communities under a service agreement, and given it to the ministerial advisory committee for them to do, in his words, AIDS awareness. No one in the world's used the word AIDS for about 15 years, um, since about 1996 when treatments became available. Uh, we don't really use the word AIDS very much. At the very least, we say HIV and AIDS. But um, anyway, AIDS, is uh, that's where his mind is. We only receive funding for gay men's HIV prevention work. That's because a whole bunch of other organisations receive money to work with other at-risk populations, and Queensland Health is responsible for the general community. So the money that was provided to healthy communities is going to this ministerial advisory committee. There's no commitments um, that that's going to be spent on gay men's prevention in the future. And if you read any of the minister's statements or interviews, he hasn't used the word gay men once. Gay men make up 65% of infections uh, in Queensland. That's why the bulk of the HIV prevention money came to healthy communities, because that's where the infection is. You put the money where the infection is. Um, it's unclear whether that basic uh, tenant of epidemiology and public health is going to be adhered to because he's made no statements whatsoever uh, to give a commitment to continue funding uh, HIV prevention at, at a reasonable rate. Um, this MAC that's been, the uh, Ministerial Advisory Committee that's been formed um, is, has some great people on it, uh, but there's no one with gaming HIV prevention experience on the Ministerial Advisory Committee that's concerned. Um, and so there seems to be a lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge about HIV epidemiology, uh, best practice in HIV prevention, role of advocacy in rights and health, the role of uh, uh, healthy communities as a holistic LGBT health organisation, or the principles of the national HIV strategy. They either don't know it, um, or they know it, but they're ignoring it. Um, so what does this mean? Um, so 85% of the uh, 
finally removed, 22 staff made redundant, and four staff on reduced hours. Um, I was going to read out a list of services, but my time is um, almost up, so I won't uh, do that. But um, in the sexual health program, um, it looks like there's about 20 uh, frontline services that won't be there anymore. Gone. Um, uh, training on LGBT health issues to the mainstream sector, that's gone as well. Um, and social marketing campaigns and other health promotion support um, to LGBT people about the uh, drug and alcohol and tobacco use uh, will also go. So future for healthy communities. Um, well, we do have some other contracts um, that I mentioned earlier, um, like Two Spirits, uh, counselling service for people affected by the disasters. Um, and we'll be dipping into our reserves and some of our national organisations are helping us out. So certainly for this financial year, uh, we'll be continuing to provide services. We'll have a minimal um, uh, presence in HIV prevention and LGBT health because we're committed to those two things. Uh, but the following financial year becomes much more difficult uh, for us uh, to survive financially. So really taking one year at a time, but really one month at a time. Um, certainly, uh, we'll be working with the Minister of Advisory Committee if we can. Um, none of the people associated with healthy communities was appointed to the committee, um, and we don't know whether we're going to be allowed to talk to them or present to them or engage in them in any way. We want to. Uh, we think over 28 years of responding to HIV in Queensland, we have a wealth of information to uh, provide them to assist them. Uh, we're willing to work with them. Um, it's unclear yet whether they'll be allowed uh, to work with us. Thank you. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to profusely apologise for failing to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land we've been on. Um, thank you to all the speakers that did do that. Um, I did want to acknowledge the Yagara and Turrbal people um, on whose land we meet and their elders past and present. Um, and I completely agree with Debbie when she says that whatever shape this movement does take, um, it will be absolutely integral that we get the Indigenous community on board um, because they, as Debbie said, are one of the most affected communities <coughs> and also are a huge force. So it would be fantastic to get them on board. Um, so uh, can we thank all of our fabulous speakers? <laughs> so the doors downstairs close at 9. We're officially meant to be up by 8.30. Um, but what we're going to do is open it to the floor for questions, contributions, Anything you want to say um, that you think that could come out of this evening or that you want to see happen, um, or any, any questions you have for any of our speakers. Um, so what I'll do is, yeah, like I said, close at nine, so we really want to get up for nine. Um, we're meant to be up by 8.30, but I think it'll be fine if we're about 15, 20 minutes late. Um, so yeah, I'll open it to questions and contributions from the floor. So, um, sorry, the other thing I'll do is if you <coughs> don't feel confident that you'll be loud enough, you can come up here or you can just get from there. So if you could repeat it as well. Um, yeah, we're fairly fine at the moment. We've lost one or two uh, funding things, but they weren't recurrent. So we're expecting that they might be wound up as well. But at the moment, you know, we're, okay. we're like everyone else holding our breath. But, uh, Who was that? Micro projects. That's. Um, yeah. Yeah, we work with homeless people, we work with young mothers for young women, we work with people who are suffering abuse in state and church-run organisations with wages place, and we're the service providers for Common Ground, which is just opening up down the corner here. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Hopefully not, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, we've had a lot of talk tonight about people disadvantaged by Cameron Newman's cuts, and it's quite appropriate. All the uh, Maori people, gay and lesbian people, uh, people suffering under uh, the uh, Newman cutbacks and the attacks on uh, public health and public uh, welfare and community groups and so forth. And there's been a lot of talk about being an ideological agenda. It's very true, but there's some people who benefit from this ideological agenda. We need to understand our enemy isn't just Campbell Newman, but all the people who stand behind Campbell Newman. All the financial speculators and the investment bankers, uh, the property developers, all the people who basically fund the LNP, who while we're standing here tonight, sitting here tonight, talking about the attacks on the public sector in Queensland, they're sitting in a Tattersall Club, the Queensland Club, basically counting their money, because everything, every dollar ripped out of community services, Every dollar ripped out of public health and public uh, education and public services is going to go back to Calvin Newman's mates. They're the Queen's richest people who are going to benefit from these attacks, who are benefiting from the theft of Aboriginal land, who are benefiting from all attacks on the public sector that the Calvin Newman government is determined to carry through in the next three to six years. We have to understand our enemy is these rich people, the Queensland capitalist class, who basically fund the LNP, who are basically determined to ram through this agenda. And that's why I think we need to take up some of the issues that come up in the front today about the need to fight back. Because, you see, I don't agree the LNP is amenable to being persuaded or lobbied. The LNP has got a project. Calvin Hill is vicious. Jeff Seen is vicious. They're not amenable to logic. The only logic they understand is the logic of force, the logic of public mobilisation. And that's why it's so impressive and why I'm so pleased to hear from the Together Speaker tonight about the idea of a strike action, around a public uh, rally on the 12th or 13th of September is the date I've heard about the mobilisation that Together is carrying out because we need more such actions. We've already heard about the 2,000 gay and lesbians and their supporters fighting around civil unions. The fantastic rally we held on Monday night for 5,000 people, pretty much everyone here I'm sure, turned up that rally. We need more of these kind of actions. Look at Europe. That's our future here in Queensland. It might sound dramatic, but look at Greece, look at Spain, look at Portugal, look at Italy. We're not that far advanced in the economic crisis yet, but the kind of fight back we've seen in Europe, we need to bring here in Queensland. The kind of fighting of the workers, the fight back of the students, the fight back of the downtrodden, because what we're seeing in Europe today, we're going to be seeing in Queensland and Australia more generally in future years. When the mining boom turns to bust, the attacks we're seeing today will just be a, a mere shadow of what's going to come. So we need to be prepared, we need to fight back, we need to take the opportunity that together are presented and other present public sector units have presented of more rallies outside Queensland Parliament, strike action against the LNP, and actually taking the fight to the LNP government, as many speakers have said, not to go quiet. Because going quiet is the one thing they, they rely on. Us sitting on our asses and basically letting it wash over us is what they rely on. We have to fight back and gather our forces and push back so these people don't feel they can fuck us over for the next three or six years, because that's what they've got in mind. Um, what I might also do is just because we're strapped for time and then that every, every way, uh, the way that everyone can have a chance is um, we might limit it to like two minutes, say, um, contributions and questions and things like that. Um, so I, I might go to just there. Um, I probably, it's just probably a couple of questions. The first one is I think yesterday morning on the ABC, uh, I think there was a, a collection of unions that are actually funding a review of the the audit review of Pierre Costello. I'm just wondering if anyone could comment on that. And the second part of my question really is probably for you, Jackie. 
Um, if we're getting a groundswell happening in the community sector, it's pretty outrageous. I'm just, I suppose, I don't know whether I'm begging you or asking you what is the strategy for the Labor government and other uh, political parties um, to move forward and to rebuild and to find your own voice in all of this. Uh, just quickly on the Audit Commission response, the Queensland Council of Unions um, are contracting um, um, academics from New South Wales who assisted also with the um, asset sale campaign last year uh, to review the Commission of Audit as well. So that's the QCU that he voted on that yesterday. So John Batten, who's the president of the QCU, would have commented on that yesterday. Um, sorry, what's your name? Rachel. Rachel, thanks Rachel for that question. Um, Given that there is only seven of us, um, we do uh, need people to support uh, the argument against the cuts and the ideological drive behind this new LNP government. We do need people in the, in just members of the public, public servants, community sector workers, you know, teachers, nurses, people who disagree to stand up and say something. Uh, there are only seven of us and we can't be the only voice in opposition to this. Um, you know, there are various uh, ways that you can make your voice heard. I think this, in terms of having some sort of structure and some sort of way forward that isn't just a political agenda from a political party, <coughs> is an important step forward. I think what the union movement is doing collectively is incredibly important. And what we're doing is we are working very hard, not only talking to people, but running the issues through the parliament. Um, I was remiss, it was remiss of me not to have mentioned that I'm currently running a petition uh, one of my other Labor colleagues ran a petition in support of the civil unions legislation to remain intact um, and that attracted over 6,000 signatures. Um, I'm currently running a petition asking the, uh, requesting the LNP government do not meddle with the Surrogacy Act um, and uh, as soon as I put mine up, the Australian uh, Christian Lobby also put one up under the name of Wendy Francis as well. So um, I'm making a plea to all of you here tonight to hop on the Parliament website, Queensland Parliament website, go to the e-petition section and sign the e-petition requesting that uh, the Queensland Parliament not touch the Surrogacy Act. Um, you know, one of the things that this government is doing consistently in the House and in the media is they are saying, uh, well, we've got a mandate. We've got a huge, huge mandate. We don't need to consult on issues or we said during the election campaign we were going to change civil unions and we will. Uh, we've got the big tick from the big committee out there in Queensland. Uh, they committed, he, Newman, committed before the election not to touch the Surrogacy Act. He has no moral platform on this issue whatsoever and we need as many Queenslanders as possible to make it clear uh, that what he's doing in terms of criminalising gay and lesbians, uh, criminalising singles and criminalising heterosexual couples who are not in a relationship for more than two years, uh, criminalising their surrogacy arrangements is, uh, is dishonest, it's not consistent with his pre-election commitment and, uh, and we need to have as many Queenslanders come out in support of these people as possible.
Um, I want to remind people here that he's, he's used the last three years as, as Lord Mayor um, uh, to, to prepare himself for what's coming for the state government workers. Uh, he, he's well practiced, and I, I sat on what was termed the, uh, the NIO, which is the new information organisation that was set up to look at the restructure of the IT department, so from, or was from the IT department. And they, they, it was interesting being involved in that process because they, they changed it or they modelled it as time got on. So as they uh, went through each section, they learned from what had gone before. So when they first had the first meetings and the first section they were targeting, they gave too much information out. They gave people's names and people they had already identified were, 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 were likely to lose their positions. The next time, that never happened ever again. <coughs> the, 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 the spreadsheets they put up on the wall would map the roles and positions that were going to be, were going to be lost. Eventually they became more blurred to a point where I sat up in a meeting and I said, well, does anyone actually understand how they're going to be impacted by, by, the, by these diagrams? And most of them said they had no idea. Um, he has taken that model and he will be using it better in a more advanced level uh, more, and a more aggressive way on state government workers. And we shouldn't forget also at the moment that city council workers are still under attack. I spoke to one of my uh, previous co-workers. They were brought into a meeting, apparently. They, they said, un, un, unannounced, they said, brought them into a meeting. They said, okay, we're restructuring your organisation. Here's what's happening. Here's how the new, new organisation is going to be. Da, 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 da. Um, and by the way, 37 of you are losing your jobs. Do anyone have any questions? They were stunned. There was, no people, there was no warning that they were about to lose, the, lose their jobs. Yet some of those people under NIO had, had retained their positions. So even though they had retained their positions early on in the process, they still got targeted further down. This is what's going to happen to state government workers. There's one other aspect about this process. They will cut wages. That, that, that's the next part of the agenda. So once they, they finish with the temp workers and they start restructuring the organisations, they will then turn around and say, okay, we're going to downsize the, the roles and positions. And we're not talking about a minor Sorry to have to cut you off. Yes, sorry. Um, but thank you so much for your input. Sorry, sorry to have to do that. Um,
Um, I think the beauty of if we can set up something like this would be that, um, like by itself, um, you know, the union movement has uh, some really great strengths, um, but what it doesn't have is the ability to take up, um, uh, not at this stage, uh, to take up some political or progressive leftist kind of issues. Unions are very hesitant to uh, to make moves on those things and they want to focus on the bread and butter issues of their, uh, their constituents. So I think that one day that will change. Um, but in the meantime, that's the case. And I think the NGO sector is very good at taking up political issues, issues for marginalised people, left-wing and progressive issues, yet they are very timid because, um, because they rely on government funding and are very fearful of their funding. So what I hope that we can get out of tonight is some kind of alliance where we recognise our own weaknesses, our own strengths, and form an organisation that we can all support and um, can take radical political action over the next few years to um, defend both of our sectors and our communities. Melody, I just wanted to say one thing on a positive note. 
the first um, strike by the Newman government, which was the then Queensland Premier's Literary Awards, is still going ahead in case people don't know. And um, that was a good piece of positive action, so a bunch of people decided they wanted it to go ahead and they put up a thing so that people could put some money in if they wanted to. And um, certainly I was more than happy to do that because it's first kind of like concrete action that I could actually take. So I donated three times as much as I would usually, just one for Campbell Newman. And they raised that amount of money that they wanted, that $20,000 in well and truly less than half the time. So I'm not suggesting that we should just fund the entire NGO service out of our pay packets, but um, when people get mad enough and they're given a concrete opportunity to be able to take some direct action, sometimes people do. And, um, you know, that petition that Deb put up uh, for Sisters Inside, that was only for um, numbers of signatures, but just think if everybody who put a signature down put in five bucks, you know, little bits and pieces count, so I think um, we're not powerless and we can do stuff together. Um, we'll be collecting, um, if anyone wanted to make a donation to the Aboriginal Ten Embassy, um, you can just come up to me, we'll have this. I think we should pass it around. Alright, I'll yeah. pass it around then. Cool. So, it's a red bag. Yeah, just here. Yeah. Sorry. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I Hi, uh, I'm a member of the Union, and I want to ask uh, a question to uh, Well, the, the first days of the Union uh, was when the human government announced the replacement of the temporary workers. Uh, the question is why do they mobilize us to defend these positions? And, and what lessons have you learned to ensure that it won't happen again? And so that, so that next time, no one will be silent. <coughs> The number one is we're not going to win every battle, but we're going to give it a shot. Um, so, yeah, we, we did try and do some mobilisations, and I think we really built towards the job security rallies that have happened in the last week. Um, and I think there was a lot of more fear. And, I, and I've got to say, this is a real thing. When you're asking workers to take action, you know, people, there were a lot of people in that initial um, tranche who said, I'm permanent, I'm not ready to go out yet, you know, that, and, and I'm, I'm being real here guys about what what you're able to do and what, who you're able to turn out. And there are a lot of other temporary workers at that early stage as well, who unfortunately were saying, well, if maybe I sit tight, maybe I won't be targeted, maybe I won't lose my job. And so um, I've got to say as a union official who's always, you know, trying to be, you know, as radical as the members will let us be, but we need to be realistic about what it is that people will choose to do. So I will try and give every opportunity um, for all workers to be empowered to take the action they want to take, um, and that's all we're going to do. But you know, I can't rewrite that history. That's that's happened, you know. And um, essentially, there was a range of strategies around that, and we we gave the opportunities where we could. Yeah. I've got a question for, I've got a 
question on an environmental perspective um, for Jackie and also for Rachel. Um, two days before the election, Campbell Newman announced cuts to the climate um, of the carbon reduction programs in Queensland, saying if you've got a state, if you've got a federal carbon reduction system, you don't need any state-based programs. Um, and also with the suggestion to rezone the Great Barrier Reef to allow um, more development under the banner of cutting green tape. Um, I'm really sad to see that the Queensland environmental movement has really been paralysed by fear and has not really been able to, to even speak up and do anything um, in the last couple of months. And I'm, I'm wanting um, some advice from Jackie or from Rachel about some kind of centralised network or place where activists can get information about what are the what are the cuts to environmental programs and the implications to that and also in the absence of any Greens uh, members of Parliament um, or, or a Senate um, is there a, a champion in the ALP who's willing to stand up for the environment <laughs> Um, amongst uh, my very many portfolios, I am the opposition spokesperson for the environment, and um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I have been on the public record on a whole range of environmental issues. Um, just yeah, we do need to consolidate a consolidated list of the cuts. Obviously, the axing of the um, the climate smart home service had a, had a significant impact. Has going is going to have a significant impact. I think. Um, it was a very popular service. It not only helped people from low incomes change their behaviour at home through very simple me measures, but it was a demonstrable sort of activity that government could engage in uh, in the community to help reduce emissions. Um, in terms of the whole Office of Climate Change, that has been axed. It's gone. There is no commitment to redu reducing climate change in this state. We have an environment minister who does is not convinced around the science of humans contributing to the, the global warming. He is not convinced of the science. 70,000 environmental scientists, 70,000 scientists are, but he is not convinced. He's yet to be convinced of it. Um, the, it's not so much the cuts either. It's also about the tweaking around the laws of this state. Um, it is about reviewing uh, what happens in our national parks grazing, logging, as we saw on the front page of the Courier-Mail today. It's not only about allowing grazing and logging, it's also not pursuing uh, penalties against those people who actually do go in and illegally log uh, native bushland. So there, there will be all of these subtle law changes. Some won't be so subtle, some will be subtle. Um, like the brain burst by the Deputy Premier about rezoning the Great Barrier Reef to actually exclude certain ports because um, you know they might uh, they might not be favourably considered by UNESCO um, or you know UNESCO shouldn't have a role in terms of determining the uh, the quality of the Great Barrier Reef. These are all you know horrific statements uh, from a government that um, sort of touted itself as a modern conservative government ready to govern Queensland in the 21st century. Look, they either lied. Um, and you know, took Queenslanders down the garden path, or um, those people who stood up, like Campbell Newman, and said he was a modern conservative, um, just doesn't have the control of his party room that he uh, he thinks he does. Very quickly, I see people are starting uh, to to melt off. Thank you for the question. Um, I think it's really important because we talk about a range of um, cuts in the job sector and, and the social services sector, uh, but this government spells nothing short of disaster for the environment. Um, and um, 
and that is particularly if we were to if a federal election were to be held tomorrow and we had um, Tony Abbott as Prime Minister that spells double double disaster um, so I think what is interesting is what you pointed out whereas the union movement has banded together to mobilize we have seen paralyzing fear on behalf of the environmental movement which is really worrying we might need one of these for the environmental sector where we line up all of us and um, and get us to speak about what our roles are and how we can um, further support each other and I do want to add that, yes, thank you, Emma, for pointing out our lack of upper house and lack of Greens representation in Queensland. Uh, but the Greens are extremely active in creating a ledger of um, the environmental decisions that Newman's making and his shortfalls and um, the extent to which the um, minister is, is denying climate change, as Jackie, um, as Jackie has pointed out. But I think there's definitely room for more collaboration between environmentalists there. to look at either the pro-choice action collective stall or the together stall if you needed to join your union now it's good time um they're just about to pack up so if you want to have a look at those there's also family planning info and stuff on how you can donate and things like that at the pro-choice stall um but we'll probably take sorry yeah and before you head off definitely sign the contact sheet because that's how we'll keep in contact with you and let you know what comes out of this um and yeah, and that's also where you can contact us back and say, you know, terrible meeting, or I would like to see this happen. Um, so I might take two more questions um, and then probably head out. Well, uh, all right, so we'll go to far. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge the uh, Indigenous people of this land and in particular stand in solidarity with the uh, sovereign movement just over in Musgrave Park. I agree with you completely. I think this is neoliberalism. It's come to Brisbane. You know, it come to Queensland. We need to fight against it. I don't want to see Europe. I don't want to see Greece. I don't want to see 40% youth unemployment. I don't want to see my future ruined. And I just, yeah, I just want to say to everyone, we need to get out on Facebook, you know, at school, at university, wherever you are, and just let people know, you know. Yeah, thanks. Proposal by the Queensland Council of Unions to launch 
their own campaign. It's obviously going to be targeted at a lot of the workers' issues, so I think there is a need to broaden that to the other community issues. Um, obviously, the services union representatives represent the NGO sector marvellously well, um, so that, and they'll be engaged in that campaign. Um, the plan that John announced yesterday by the QCU talked about a day of action after the state budget being the 12th of September. There is likely to be other activities, including a delegates meeting coming up shortly um, in, on the 1st of August. So there'll be more about that coming through your unions. I'd encourage you to, to contact your unions um, and the Queensland Council of Unions has a phone list and a phone site and they're um, launching a new campaign brand about that called Stand for Queensland. Is that a QCU delegates meeting or is it together delegates? QCU, so it's combined unions. First of all, Yes. As for the um, Queensland Dunkard thing, so one idea that we did float was having an organising meeting like same time um, next week. So it would be same place and basically those who are interested in helping with the organising aspect um, should come along to that. Um, so it would be here at 6.30 next Thursday. Um, and yeah, essentially how we'll keep in contact with everyone and also receive feedback again via email or via text depending on what contacts you give us. Um, so it is important that you give us your contact, otherwise you yeah, might not necessarily keep in the loop. Um, yeah, is that basically answers the question? Yeah. Yeah. So next week here, yeah. same time. Same yes. Um, yeah, so that's probably it for questions, just because I don't want to track you all inside. Um, but, so do donate to um, the Aboriginal Tent Embassy.